Everyone faces challenges every single day. Some are chosen and bring us joy. Some are given to us and bring struggle or pain. Whether the diagnosis of an illness, the news of a friend's death, the loss of a job, or a bike accident, we may be asked to step up to face issues that demand courage and perseverance. Hurt is just one of the many aspects of full lives. Each week on this show, ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope, Dr. Joanne Dahl helps us understand how we can use acceptance and commitment therapy to learn to accept what we cannot change and move forward into a valued life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joanne Dahl. Welcome to ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope. Who you think you are might be more important than you think. Usually we use the term self in general to refer to how you think about yourself or perceive yourself. To be aware of oneself is to have a concept of oneself. How do you define yourself? By your beliefs, by your values, your limits, and so on. How you do this actually predicts your behavior. The problem with this is that we all have the tendency to stereotype ourselves and others, which naturally restricts us and limits us. It's therefore very important that we listen carefully to how we actually are defining ourselves. Who we think we are is important, not because these statements are true, but because they may be our greatest obstacle to personal development. Today you're going to meet an expert on the subject, Dr. Matthew Villette. Matt is an assistant professor of clinical psychology at the University of Louisiana. He's also the associate editor of the Journal of Contextual Behavior Science. You can read more about Matt uh, and his work by clicking on his name on this week's Act Taking Her to Hope on webtalkradio.net. I want to welcome you, Matt. Hi, Joanne. It's really good to be on the, on the show with you and to talk about this very interesting topic. Yes, and I think the radio listeners can hear that even though you are in Louisiana, you're speaking with a French accent. <laughs> yes, indeed. You know, I, I still practice, but uh, at some point, I think it's kind of nice to keep a, a little bit of a souvenir from France. <laughs> so, this topic about self—it's um, who the self is. What uh, what got you interested in this in this topic? Well, you know, part of it comes from the the studies I did in France for my PhD. Um, it was uh, some research I did in, in schizophrenia and the sense of self that is often um, uh, disturbed in schizophrenia and psychosis. But, you know, I also have some uh, personal interest in this topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think anybody has some uh, uh, concerns about their own identity, of course, but I moved to a new country uh, three years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think like any uh, immigrant what you can experience is a change, you know, it's a different culture. Uh, mm-hmm. You meet new people, there's new different rules, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, you sometimes you, you find yourself like you're not exactly the, the same person anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
it's uh, you want to make jokes, for example, or uh, you want to give feedback to other people in social interactions. You know, it's it's uh, completely normal, but you don't realize that there are subtle things that are different. And mm -hmm. at some point, it almost feels like you, you're not yourself anymore. You mm. see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think most people have that experience even by going to another country that they don't know that they have a perspective until they completely go to another place and realize that the, the rules and the mores and attitudes that they grew up with suddenly don't work in this new country. Yeah, exactly, Joan. It's exactly that. I think it, it really shakes our foundation, really. Mm -hmm. Everything we think is true, uh, has never changed, suddenly uh, feels like it's it's not right. It's completely different. So where are you in the middle of that, you know? Yeah, sort of like a disorientation. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how I felt for a while, you know? Hmm. You know, Matt, I, I, I wondered myself, I, I am also a foreigner here, if in Sweden, and I lived in the countryside uh, with a lot of Swedish people when I had my children, and I noticed that even if uh, people who have moved from, you know, just a couple of miles from another village to this village, they were having the same problem as I was. It was, it's, really? it's, it's I think even the s smallest change can create this disorientation. Yeah, absolutely, and, uh, you know, I think it's something that we uh, often see with the uh, our clients is that changes, even things that are positive in their lives, can represent such a change that for a while it really requires some adjustment, and that's where you can uh, be uh, a little bit in trouble if you uh, if you're too attached to what you think about yourself. Mm -hmm. The problem is everything that tells you that you are not yourself anymore becomes really like a threat. Yeah. So you mean if you identify yourself with a certain self, then that self can be easily threatened if you, with any change. Yeah, exactly. Well, let, let me take an example. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm French, I moved to, to the US, and you know, there's a lot of representations around being French, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and, and a lot of representation that French have about themselves, but uh -huh. also that foreigners have about French. Mm -hmm. And so you, you're kind of expected to be a certain way, mm -hmm. uh, and, and you are very attached to certain values. And you can end up defending these values, thinking that they are threatened when they are not necessarily. Mm -hmm. For example, you know, in the U.S., they, they like very much uh, listening to a national anthem. You know, you see mm -hmm. the flag everywhere. Yeah. It, it can it can feel like, oh, but that's not my culture. So should I actually uh, endorse this new culture? Should I be uh, patriotic like everybody here if it's not my country? Yeah. It's it's it can be. Uh, yeah, it takes a bit of uh, adjustment. And I can imagine that even moving to another village actually can trigger also this kind of, uh, of thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this sort of nationalistic um, tone is in every country. And it's, you don't realize it until you are on the outside how nationalistic things can seem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, Matt, what, what kind of... Um, if you think of problems with the self and identity, how common is that in in psychological problems, would you say? Well, you know, I think it is uh, in all types of psychological problems. I think uh, as soon as people have thoughts about themselves, like just the way they, they define themselves, mm. they can have negative thoughts like uh, I'm stupid or I'm worthless, I, I feel empty, 
mm-hmm. um, or uh, people who are very rigid, for example, it's almost always linked to the self, I think. Mm-hmm. But there are certain um, disorders, or um, I don't like talking about disorders very much, but let's say difficulties, um, where it's particularly uh, problematic, uh, mm-hmm. the, the attachments to the, to the self. Uh, I think in particular of borderline personality disorder and mm-hmm. psychosis, where the sense of self is really uh, disturbed. It's uh, often people have a difficulty with differentiating themselves from others. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, can be, that can be really uh, difficult for them to, to interact with others or to deal with their own uh, emotions or their thoughts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and this, um, these types of disorders, you know, are pretty, uh, pretty common, actually. Uh, I think for psychosis in general, it's about 1% of the, of the population. And for borderline personality disorders, it, it varies, but the numbers are around 5% of the population. There's some contradiction in the numbers, but it's around that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it, when we talk about the self, I, I think about Darwin, you know, that saying that it's not the, the strongest or the smartest uh, uh, people who have survived or organisms. It's um, those who have the ability to adapt to those inevitable changes in life. So would you say that a rigid uh, identification with the self would be the opposite of of being able to be flexibly adjusting or adapting to changes? I really like this parallel that you're making, Joanne. I think it's it's really key there. Um, I think sometimes we misinterpret uh, Darwin with this idea that you have to be to be strong, you have to be the best. But it's it's more about being able to adapt, like you say. And I think yes, the, if you think about yourself in a way that is very rigid, even when it's positive, like for example, if I feel very self-confident, if I feel like I'm very smart. It, it can feel like it's something good, right? Who would not want to think that about themselves, mm-hmm. you know? But the problem is uh, you have to think about the situations where thinking that about yourself might actually become a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if I, if I think that I'm very smart, maybe I'm not going to go in certain uh, situations. I'm not, for example, going to go back to school or engage in complicated <laughs> You know, I'm, maybe I won't. I won't read this book that is difficult because I don't want to feel not smart uh-huh. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, and what are some other examples of how you could define yourself? Well, you know, it's all these labels that we use uh, about ourselves. So there's things that are kind of facts. You know, uh, I can say that uh, I am a man. I am 33. I am psychologist. But then there are things that are more like evaluations about my personality, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, I'm friendly or I'm rigid or warm, laid back. Uh, I can also, uh, like we said earlier, I can see myself as part of a group, you know, like I'm white or I'm liberal, I'm French, these kind of things. So it, it's like categories, if you like. Um, it's, I guess it's helpful because it helps having a kind of identity. Mm-hmm. But at some point, it can feel a little bit like a trap, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So th- this type of labeling, uh, what is the, what do you think the function of the labeling is? I think it's I think it's like everything we we do. You know, we uh, we organize our world. It's easier, I think, to find our way. Uh, when we put labels, if you uh, if you need to find your way in a city, it's easier if streets have names. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you can find your way again after. So I think what happens is, when we are kids, um, we we have different kinds of experiences. We we act in a certain way, and people around us start to say, "Oh, you're a very nice kid. You're very playful, or you're very shy." And Little by little, we start to identify with this idea, okay, well, uh, I've always been a a shy person, and uh, that starts to make sense of what we live. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this this comes back a little to the program we had with Steve Hayes about stigma, Mm -hmm. uh, that um, when we start uh, labeling ourselves, um, I mean, it, it can be helpful. As you said, but um, but it tends to give us pre- predict our behavior. So if I if I say that if I say that either I am this way and and maybe you are that way, then it could tend to limit actually that we could be in another way. Yes, exactly. I think it's really the where the the problem uh, starts. It's. Um, it organizes your your experiences. Like I said, maybe I'm often shy, for example. So it's it's a way of seeing yourself. But then, what are all the things that maybe you're not gonna do because you think that about yourself? Mm-hmm. So it starts to restrain the the range of things that you could do and that could potentially be uh, interesting, you know, uh, mm-hmm. satisfying to mm-hmm. you. Yeah. yeah. We actually um, are just finishing up a, a book about ACT and RFT and intimate relationships and where we talk about that the way you would describe your relationship uh, or the way you would speak to your partner, for example, saying uh, you're always bad with money, you're making bad decisions, you're you know this or that, that how you describe actually a situation will also could also predict if there's room for change or not, or if you're, you know, expressing a hopelessness, then it will be pretty hopeless. <laughs> yes, I, I agree with you, John. I think the the risk is when we uh, overgeneralize, and categories are a way of uh, generalizing. You know, uh, it, it makes our world uh, simpler uh, and, and practical to some extent, but then you don't see all the little variations, you know, mm. and uh, so if you say, oh, you're always uh, so rigid, uh, you never compliment me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and, and if you look a little closer, is it really that it's always like that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, t- so tell us, Matt, how does ACT approach this problem so, itself? Yeah. Um, you know, ACT, I would say, uh, mostly helps people notice that they are much more than what they think, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's not that you are not what you think. ACT doesn't approach this, uh, this problem this way, but try to, to expand really the, the perception of all these labels that we can have. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when we were saying, uh, I'm shy, I'm always shy. Well, yeah, maybe I'm shy. Maybe I'm shy in, in certain situation. Maybe... Um, shy with certain people, uh, but am I only shy? 
Mm-hmm. So what we try to do is to um, help help people to to notice that there are not just a few labels, but maybe there are a lot of other things too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that they are not summarized by only uh, that word. Yeah. Would you say, Matt, that this is always true? As soon as we say really anything about really anything, ourselves or others or the weather or anything, it's it's always, you're always greater than whatever you say. It's always a simplification. Yes, yes. And uh, and again, it's probably because it's, it's very useful. Uh, it helps uh, go fast. Mm-hmm. But the, the difficulty is that then it starts to... Uh, to act as a filter of our perception. You know, you, you, you can think of, a, you know, this blind test when they, uh, they ask people to, uh, to taste a new, um, uh, a, a new kind of food. And mm-hmm. uh, if you tell people that what they're going to eat is, for example, very salty, they're mm-hmm. probably going to feel that very salty. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing how the way we talk can influence our perception. Mm-hmm. So if I hear from my parents that I am very anxious and I start to, to, to believe that maybe I'm only going to see the moments of my life when I am anxious. Everything mm-hmm. is going to be perceived through that filter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that sounds dangerous. So how does, how does ACT help with this? If, if we don't identify with any self, how can ACT help us there? So it's we're, we're, the trick is that on one hand we want to help uh, people be more open to a range of experiences. What I mean by experiences is uh, different uh, feelings, different emotions, or different actions. Um, notice that in their life they do a lot of things. They experience a lot of things that are not necessarily consistent with this label that they have. Mm-hmm. So the way, the way we do that, there's d- different techniques. Some are exercises, observation exercises. Uh, I'm sure you've talked about meditation in your show probably in the, in the past, something that we use a lot in ACT. Well, you know, it doesn't have to be very long practice, um, but it can be sometimes even a few minutes of observation, just noticing the, the emotions, the thoughts, and how they flow, how they, they are more fleeting than we think. Mm-hmm. Because the difficulty is when you start to get really attached to one thought. But if you look at how th- thoughts come by, you realize that there is much more than that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one thing that we can do. So if I just to help the radio or the radio listeners, so if you if we are you saying that if we don't identify ourselves as as any specific uh, form, like a father or a, a woman, uh, that that we somehow rise above these, and who, w- where would the self be then if it's not one of these forms? Yeah, and that's where it can be a, a little, uh, a little uh, weird, because if you are not all these thoughts, then uh, what are you? Who are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the that's where the second step uh, comes in act is. We can find another sense of self that is in the observation of all these thoughts. Mm-hmm. So I know it can sound a little, uh, a little weird, maybe, but it's not that uh, complicated. In fact, when we really look, because it's something that we always do. It's just that we don't realize it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, across uh, times and situation, 
you have a lot of thoughts, you have a lot of emotions, you do a lot of different kinds of things, but there is always something that you do across all these situations is that you also notice that you do these things. Mm -hmm. You know, when you were five, uh, you were a small kid, you saw the world from uh, your little size and you had uh, friends at school and then later you were uh, 15 and you're an adolescent, you have different kinds of experiences and so on and so on. But all across these ages, you were able to notice your emotions, your sensations, your thoughts. And that is something that is very stable. Mm -hmm. And if you approach yourself uh, this way, it gives you a sense both of stability across time and situations. Mm -hmm. But it also opens you to all the things that you can do in your life. Mm -hmm. Because if you are not one label, like for example, like I was saying, if I am not shy, but I experience shyness sometimes, mm -hmm. then then I start to see all the other things too that mm -hmm. I can be and I can do. You see what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So there was there would be a, a a constant you that would be above all these sort of like the observer of all these changes in life, but you are the same. Is that exactly? Yeah. I think you, you can see that as a as a part of you that is always there, no matter what happens, and that can be very useful to help to help people who suffer uh, because of the way they, they see themselves. Okay, so uh, is there a a metaphor of the sky and the weather that would be similar? Yeah, there's lots of uh, metaphors in acts that uh, are meant to to help clients get this sense of uh, continuity uh, of the self, and at the same time the the, the variability in experiences. So, for example, like you, like you were saying, that this idea of a sky uh, that is always there, uh, and and the weather, you know, it can be it can be a storm, it can be rainy, it can be sunny, uh, even in the same day, it can change, you know, uh, all the time. But the sky is always there, and the sky is not threatened. Mm -hmm. So, if you approach yourself this way thinking all oh, this weather it's like all these thoughts that I have about myself all these emotions that I have but if I am the sky I am the container you know of mm -hmm. all these uh, experiences mm -hmm. yeah I like that that's a very stable way of, of thinking mm -hmm. of the self Matt um, tell us do you have an example of how you would work with this type of problem with self yeah, so, you know, uh, what I like to do is to um, ask clients questions that uh, help them look at themselves in a, in a different way. Um, so, in particular, what I uh, think is very useful is to help clients uh, change perspective. So, I help them look at different areas of their lives, uh, at different times of their lives, and, and notice the changes and the variations of what they think about themselves. So, for example, a, a client who thinks, uh, I am stupid, uh, I might ask him to, to explore different situations, different moments of his life, and increase the perception of all the things, you know, that he, he might think of himself. Mm -hmm. And another thing that you can do, that I was talking about a little bit earlier, is to, to observe in the present moment, you know, how thoughts come and go. Uh, it helps you see that these labels, they, they, they are more fleeting than what you think. Mm -hmm. 
it depends a lot on the situation and the, and the context. So, so, so it starts to open clients to be more, uh, more flexible. Um, they notice that they are not just a, a few labels. And progressively, I, I ask them to notice the part of them that doesn't change across all these thoughts. So, you know, I could ask something like, uh, and, and so, so you see that there is a lot of, of changes in the way you see yourself across time, across situation. But is there something that remains the same across all these situations, across the, these times? Is there a part of you that sees uh, this always? You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, this is something I've often thought about when if I if a person says that they're sad, um, by the time they have, you know, maybe felt the sadness and it's, you know, gone through their memories and then, then they say it, it's already changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting to know. You know, a lot of clients, they, they start a, a therapy session and say, I am always anxious. Or I've been feeling horrible all week. And and when you start to ask a little more questions, you, you realize that they realize that maybe it's been a little more um, complex than that. Maybe mm-hmm. there was more variation than that. Mm-hmm. And even in the session, as we are talking together, like you were saying, maybe the certain feelings that have been there for the whole week suddenly are maybe not there anymore. Uh, it's, it's, it's very surprising. Again, it's this power of, of language, you know, because we say something, then we see it. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because I often think of language as sort of an abstract painting, that it's uh, it's uh, an interesting, you know, maybe poetic, but it's it's never a it's never an accurate description of what is going on here and now, because it's always afterwards. I really like this uh, this paradigm, John. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great, and it shows also how. You know, it, it, you look at a painting. You don't don't necessarily know what it means, what the what the painter meant. But very quickly, you start to make sense of it, and mm-hmm. then you you cannot not see what you what you're seeing. <laughs> and Matt, do you have any example of a patient that you've worked with and and how it went? Yeah, you know, I I, I remember a client uh, with social anxiety. So you know, he, he was feeling very uncomfortable around people because he, he was very worried about uh, being judged, you know. Uh, he felt like he, he never had anything interesting to say, uh, that he was not as funny, as smart as other people. Uh, so that was that was really difficult because, you know, it's a good example of these thoughts that we have about ourselves that uh, restrain the, our, our capacity to, to do things that, that would be satisfying. Like, he, he really wanted to be around people, but he was so so worried about uh, judgments from others that uh, that he would just avoid the situation. Mm-hmm. So what we did is that we, we were together at uh, detaching him from, from these labels, you know, that creating this distance um, with these thoughts, these labels. So, so we did some exercises of observation uh, to, to notice other things that he thought about himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he was so focused at first on not being interesting, not smart enough, that uh, that he could not see all the other things. But he went, as we were looking at other areas of his life, you know, other things that he liked, like being at work uh, or uh, his passion for for books and movies, uh, little by little, he started to talk about himself with other words. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So you see, it's what I was saying earlier, is that he started to expand his perceptions of other things. Mm-hmm. Not to say that uh, it was not uh, um, what, he, what he thought about not being interesting, not funny. Mm-hmm. It was not to change that. You know that in act, we don't try to, to mm-hmm. remove thoughts, but instead to, to increase uh, the, the, the perception that there are a lot of other things. Uh, yeah. I think that's really important what you're saying, Matt, and it's very different from, you know, other, you can hear some in some popular psychology that uh, people should use affirmation and say, you know, talk, say positive things. And this is something very different that you're actually uh, as, asking a person to be aware of the actual differences that I'm not just anxious, but now I actually am calm. And there, there are, what is going on in the here and now is very complex. Then it's not something you're making up. Yeah, I think it's a very good point, John. You know, there's been a, a, a big push uh, a few decades ago uh, for, for, for boosting self-esteem, you know, in particular with kids. And we know now that it was not a very good idea mm-hmm. uh, because thinking something different about yourself uh, is just like changing your glasses, but you still have glasses, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it doesn't help you really interact with the, with the world. You don't want to, you don't want to have just another illusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said before, even positive things we think about ourselves can be problematic if yeah. we are too attached to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's good. Thank you for that, Matt. So we're coming to the end of our program now, Matt, and I'm sure there people have been listening that are thinking about, you know, this self and what they are themselves attached to and if it's problematic. What what kind of advice could you give our radio listeners? So, you know, I know that not everybody uh, wants to practice meditation, uh, one hour of meditation every day. Some people do that and, and they find a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of help in, in that. And I think it can be useful for, for, for working on the self. Um, but there are other things that you can do to just observe uh, the, the, the variety of, uh, of experiences, you know, to not get attached to just one, one label. Uh, like I think of something that's very simple that people can do. It Just try to do things that are uh, different from what you usually do, you know, to, to, to get a little bit outside your comfort zone. And that means, for example... Let's say you uh, you don't like watching romantic movies, for example, mm-hmm. uh, and you decide on purpose to to go to the movie and see a romantic comedy, and and or or you can order food in a restaurant that you never order, or you can wear a T-shirt with lots of colors, you know, mm-hmm. while you usually wear clothes with little color, mm-hmm. and you and you notice the thoughts that come up, you know, mm-hmm. you notice the discomfort of. Uh, feeling like it's not you, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I think you know I'm not saying that you should like it, uh, or that you should change your habits or your tastes every day, but practicing a little bit of flexibility, you know, it's like going to the gym. You know, you you, you get more healthy, but you don't have to stay on the treadmill all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just opens you to different experiences. You notice that, huh? I never done that, you know, and why that? Just because I think it's not for me, you know, like mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's not me. And but but I can do it. It's it's really about flexibility, really. Mm. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for being on our program today, Matt. Thank you, Jean. It was really a pleasure to to talk about this. It's really I think it's a very interesting topic uh, with you, yeah. It is. 
Today you've been uh, listening to Dr. Matthew Villette, who's an assistant professor and of clinical psychology at the University of Louisiana. Matt is also associate editor of the Journal of Contextual Behavior Science. And today we learned that who you think you are is more important than you probably think. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Joanne, please see her website at joannedahl.com or click on the host website button in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. You may also see her books, The Art of Science of Valuing in Psychotherapy, Living Beyond Pain, Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy to Ease Chronic Pain, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy for Chronic Pain, Values in Action, and Epilepsy, a Behavior Medicine Approach to Assessment and Treatment in Children. All of these are found easily by clicking the cover or going to Amazon.com. We hope you'll join us again soon for another episode of ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope.